Hello, and welcome to another episode of Norboard's Builder Insights Podcast. Builder Insights is your best source of information on new building techniques, materials, tools, and codes. Keep up to date with the latest developments as well as tips and tricks that will save you time and money on the job site. And now, Builder Insights. Welcome to Episode 2, Raising the Roof. How raised heel trusses can improve your building envelope. Building codes are demanding increasingly efficient building envelopes. One way to achieve that without sending your costs through the roof is by using raised heel trusses. Raised heel trusses are fitted with a heel where the bottom cord intersects with the perimeter wall plate which raises the top cord. Raised heel trusses are engineered utilizing quality materials and advanced design techniques. Not only do these techniques exceed building code requirements, they also ensure uniformity and accuracy in your roof framing. We take an in-depth look at the raised heel truss and how they can be used to save you time and money and improve the efficacy of your building envelope. The following is a recorded conversation with Doug McNeil, Marketing Manager from Norboard, discussing why raised heel trusses are a good choice for more effective building envelopes, especially when used in conjunction with taller wall panels. So here we are again, uh, and today we're going to be talking about the raised heel truss. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and how that affects building and, and so on and so forth. Uh, so I'd like to start with uh, asking you uh, to explain what is a raised heel truss. Yeah, a raised heel truss is, um, let me start with a conventional uh, description of a conventional truss or mm-hmm. even conventional framing where the top cord, which is the slope part of the roof, um, mm-hmm. actually meets with the bottom cord, which would, could be called a ceiling joist, but uh, where they actually meet and sit on the top plate of the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, a raised heel truss, uh, they will insert a vertical member uh, between the bottom cord and the top cord, essentially uh, creating uh, whatever distance is required, uh, maybe up to about two feet. Mm-hmm. Um, so it raises that top cord up uh, above the bottom cord or essentially uh, almost extends the wall up, um, whatever height, whether it's 10, 12, yeah. 20 inches. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it creates, it, it, it seems to create more airspace up there too, doesn't it? Well, it, yes, it does. Yeah. And, and uh, there, there's a couple of reasons for choosing a, a raised heel truss. And one of those is uh, curb appeal um, because the house obviously looks uh, larger, grander, or whatever the word is. Oh, no kidding. So, yeah. Uh, and, and there's in some configurations of, of um, roof or design of a house, they may actually have to use a raised heel truss uh, to balance up or even up the roof lines, depending on the, the shape of the building. Yeah. Ah, okay. So, so how does... Uh, how does a raised heel truss improve the insulation installation? <laughs> Say that 10 times fast. Yes, <laughs> great. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, uh, it, it, what it does is allows um, a, a builder or a, a person to take advantage of some of the options that are in some of the newer uh, energy codes. And that is uh, they allow um, reduced insulation over all the, over the, over the overall attic area when you can have full depth insulation out to the outer edge of that top plate. Okay. Now in a conventional truss, um, 
you can't do that because the insulation gets compressed. It just it's got to it's got to flatten down, which reduces the R value. Mm-hmm. And the energy codes then require you to put deeper insulation over the rest of the area to compensate for uh, that compressed insulation along the outer edge of the plates. So a raised hill truss lets you get out full depth, and uh, you might go from an R38 to an R30 or it might go from an R48 to an R38. Ah, okay. So you can actually reduce it because you have an even amount of insulation across the whole attic area. Right. So by re- by p- inserting that vertical member, you're raising up that truss, you're creating more airspace uh, and therefore creating more space for insulation and you're also allowing the insulation to go right out to the to the wall. Correct. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So uh, how does uh, uh, raised trusses help you meet building code, or do they meet building code? Oh, absolutely, they meet building code. Uh, the um, uh, trusses are engineered; it has to have an engineer's stamp on it before a building department would accept it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they are designed for that specific house in that specific area with dead loads, live loads. Um, trusses in general still have to have a an engineer's stamp on it and a raised mm-hmm. steel truss would be no different. So yes, absolutely, the meat coat. If there's higher dead loads, they use uh, uh, different lumber to, to create it. So And, and the okay. uh, metal plates that are used to assemble it all have to be uh, designed specifically for whatever loads they're carrying. So yes, so you, absolutely, meat's coat. So you mentioned that, uh, uh, that raised steel trusses are sometimes used to improve uh, curb appeal. Do they actually improve the integrity of the structure? Well, they, um, let's put it this way, uh, they certainly don't lower the integrity of the structure. Mm-hmm. And when used in conjunction with, say, our longer panels, uh, 9, 10 foot uh, or more, uh, you can actually uh, uh, improve that connection in, a, in several ways. So it certainly would not harm the, the integrity of the building whatsoever. And, and in some cases, they can actually be used to uh, improve the integrity when they're used with um, a, a, another product such as our taller panels. Okay. So wh- what about how, uh, with respect to the HERS rating? And, and what exactly is a HERS rating while we're, <laughs> while we're on that? Well, the HERS rating is, is essentially a measure of um, air leakage. Um, Some of the codes now are requiring um, blower door tests, which basically you seal up the house and uh, they use fans to uh, measure the amount of air that is moving through the the house, through various little gaps and seams, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the uh, biggest areas for for air leakage, certainly in regards to the roof area, is at that top plate. <clears throat> so if you've got a joint there in your sheathing, you'll have a small gap. Now, again, going back to, as I said earlier, if you use a longer panels uh, that can run from the bottom plate right to right on up to the underside of that top cord of the truss, you've essentially blocked off that um, that seam that would normally be there. So yes, mm-hmm. it can reduce the amount of air leakage. Um, you know, is that the, you know is that going to save you from doing all the rest? No, but it's definitely going to help you uh, uh, in your HERS rating. Okay. So my next question is, uh, you know, let's is related to blocking and baffles. 
can you talk a little bit about the uh, about how uh, race seal trust affects those two things? Sure. Um, I think the uh, the basic. Let's go back to the conventional trust. Okay. Uh, if you keep jamming insulation out into that uh, outer area, compressed or not. Mm -hmm. um, you eventually are going to have a problem with uh, blocking off the air ventilation, which got to go from the from the eave and on up through and out the upper vents on the roof. Mm -hmm. uh, so they require a baffle of some description uh, to be put in there to stop the insulation from going out into the eaves. And that's especially true if you're using a blow-in cellulose or cellulose or blowing in uh, fiberglass mm -hmm. where it can get up and over and you've blocked all your so you really have to be careful and that's a requirement they'd have to put in so in, in every what's called a bay which is the 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 distance between two trusses yeah uh, you've got to insert a baffle to okay. protect that to allow the air movement to go up and over now if you again if you're using longer panels um that's a vertical member which uh, obviously stops the um <clears throat> excuse me the uh, the insulation from going out into the soffit area so it, mm. it uh, so it it that's you so there's a step you don't have to buy the baffle you don't have to install the baffle and mm. uh it's 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 already there when so, you when you use the longer panels so more savings <laughs> huh yes time and, time and material yeah yeah. So in high wind uh, okay. zones uh, or hurricane zones, uh, do you need to still in, uh, install hurricane ties with a raised steel truss? Well, it's going to depend on a couple of things, and that is the local building code and how close you are to uh, open water, et cetera. So okay. you really have to compare, uh, or not compare, but ask your building department uh, for their thoughts on. In terms of non-high wind areas, most will allow you to get rid of those uh, Hurricane ties if you're using a longer panel, right? Because the longer panel allows you to connect the uh, the roof to the wall for a continuous load path down, and that's really what a, a hurricane tie does is provide that continuous. So you may be able to, in most markets, I suspect you can probably get rid of high wind. Well, you may be, okay. you, you might have to still use those. So when you when you <laughs> mention you mentioned uh, longer panels a couple of times, Doug. Of course, we're referring to panels that are over and beyond the eight foot length, right? Yes, correct. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, nine or 10 or maybe even taller panels uh, uh, when we're, we're referring to uh, uh, products like Windstorm, for instance. Yes. Yes, okay. exactly. Or, or uh, they, uh, That just allows the the, uh, uh, the builder to take advantage of those long lengths and, and benefits uh, from not having to do some other things, including we, blocking within the walls. So, yeah. so when, when you use a raised hill truss and you use the taller panel, uh, what exactly is happening there from an engineering perspective? Well, basically, as, as I touched on there, you're really connecting uh, the, the roof to the wall and ultimately down uh, to the slab or foundation. Um, it's, it's called a continuous load path, and, and it certainly helps uh, reduce racking and, and all kinds of things. And it, mm -hmm. on, a, on, a, on a raised steel truss, it, it can eliminate what they call a hinge point, which is that joint at the top panel and the bottom cord by extending that longer panel up to the mm -hmm. underside of the uh, underside of the top cord, you, you've really got one one piece rather than two pieces. Right. Okay. And it makes things more efficient. Well, sure. You, yeah. You're installing your wall sheathing anyway, so why be bother to cut and uh, mm -hmm. and paste a, a, a filler strip across the end of those uh, trusses, and and then of course then you go back to the uh, 
you don't need the baffles and, and in most cases you probably don't need the hurricane ties so there's a lot of labor savings in there excellent so uh will uh, do you think th- i mean have you found that a lot more builders are using the raised hill truss have, are, like what are you guys seeing in the field well yes they are and i think it's it's uh it's a byproduct from what i talked about earlier of, of uh, curb appeal from raising that roof up if you've got a a ranch bungalow and, and uh, you've got a uh, you can make that wall another foot higher then obviously the house looks better so I I think it's being driven by two things one is I can make this house look bigger mm-hmm. and secondly um, wait a minute if I can go from our 38 to our 30 um, I can save some money uh, in terms of the install insulation and installation costs so there are some benefits that would far outweigh whatever the increased cost, which is not much for a raised steel truss. So you're saying that uh, the builders are saving time on the job site as well as saving money in overall, um, uh, you know, assembly of the house. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and these days, labor is a is a huge factor. If if we can make uh, the framer, if the builder chooses to do this, and and goes about it uh, in, a, in a good way he can actually save his framer um, a lot of time and, and and make it easier for the framer so right uh, if you make it easy he's more apt to come back and say yes I'll do the next project for you or whatever the case may be mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. to make make it easy make it easy for the framer and and uh, they're in such uh, short supply these days that uh, that's just got to be a, a real bonus for for uh, for, for, uh, we had a, a builder in, in Denver that said he could probably do another 500 homes a year, but I, he can't find the labor to do it. So it, huh. if you can make it easier for your framer and, and he can build 10 houses and what he used to build nine, then that's that's the same. Everybody's yeah. happy. Yeah. Everybody's happy, yeah. Excellent. Well, yeah. Doug, that's fantastic. Thank you very much for talking to me today about the Raised Hill Trust. Uh, as always, uh, you know, in the show notes, I'm going to have links to uh, content that we've, uh, like we've on the blog, we've got, I think, three or four really good articles on the Raised Hill Trust. So anything that uh, our listeners haven't caught in our uh, our, our little chat today, uh, there'll be some expanded thoughts on the website and lots of uh, great uh, material for them to digest. Super. That's great. Thank great. you. Okay. Thanks, Doug. All right. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye. That concludes this installment of Norboard's Builder Insights Podcast. You'll find more of the same great content on our blog, including show notes and links to additional information. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing, liking, and subscribing on iTunes. Thanks for listening.